You can be opening your Bible this evening to Genesis chapter 34. We're not going to read this chapter again. We began to consider it last week, and as we discovered, it's one of those unpleasant chapters that I do not like to teach on, but there are a number of important lessons for us to to learn here, and we began to consider those lessons that are found in this chapter where one of Jacob's daughters, Dinah, was violated by a Canaanite. His name is Shechem. And we're considering the lessons that we can learn from this passage, as difficult as it is for us to study, uh, by looking at each of the characters involved, each of the individuals that were part of what happened here. And after Dinah was violated, her two full brothers, Simeon and Levi, they were angry. And they hatched up a plan to lie to and to deceive Shechem and the Canaanites. Shechem wanted to to marry Dinah, and the brothers wanted nothing to do with that. And so they said, well, we will agree to it if all the males are circumcised. And so, but that was a deceit that was presented in order to take advantage of them. And so when all the the males agreed, uh, then while they were still in pain and still recovering, Simeon and Levi came upon the city and slew not only Shechem, but all the males. And then they didn't stop there. They they took slaves. they, They took property. They took everything of the city. And so this is the events that took place in this chapter. We've already considered the lessons that we can learn from Dinah. We won't go back and and go over those again. They're important lessons. If you missed it, you can check the the podcast from last week. But let's go on now to Shechem. And we can can read Genesis 34, 19, where we read, So the young man did not delay to do the thing, that is, to persuade all the males to be circumcised, and himself as well, but all, all the males in the city. And so he didn't hesitate to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable, and it's best translated that he was most honored than all the household of his fathers. We mentioned last week, this is not an approval of his character uh, by God. It was simply saying that in, in that city, among his people, he was a prince, that he was honored above everyone else. And that is clear when he was able to convince them all, the entire male population of the city, to be circumcised for his benefit. And so clearly he had some influence. And so this is the thought behind it's not an an approval of his character that he was very honorable. He was well honored among his people. And we see that, that Shechem is anything but honorable. He is a rapist. He was worthy of the death penalty in, in that society. And when you consider the, the meaning of his name, which means portion, together with the meaning of his father's name, which we'll consider next, but his father's name, Hamar, means donkey, clay, or dirt. And that's the portion of this family. That's, they are the epitome of the vileness of the flesh. Whatever you lust after, whatever you desire, Go for it. Just whatever. That's the lust of the flesh. It's, 
Its underlying foundation is selfishness. What is good for me? And that was true of Shechem, and now we'll see that it's also true of Hamar. Again, his name is donkey, clay, or dirt. And that reveals his true true character. And at first, he seems to be very friendly, if you remember the, the passage, and if you go back and review it. Hamar, in talking to Jacob and trying to arrange this marriage with his son and, and Jacob's daughter, he, he spoke very politely and in a friendly way to Jacob and say, oh, we'll just have everything in common. Yeah, but that also was a front. That was a lie. Because later, when he goes back to take the proposition to his people, he's, he reveals his real motives for wanting to mingle, to give their uh, daughters to Jacob for their sons to marry and vice versa. And that all sounded real good. He made it sound like a good deal. But when it was all said and done, Hamar says, if we do this, then all of Jacob's stuff will be ours. He wanted to assimilate them and then ultimately take all of their merchandise. So once again, we see their true nature. It is nothing but selfishness and vileness. These were idolaters who knew nothing of worshiping Jehovah. Now let's look at Simeon and Levi, who did know Jehovah, who come from a, a godly family. And at first reading, you might think, Simeon and Levi were justified in what they did. After all, God later on was going to tell the Israelites to completely destroy the Canaanites, to wipe them off the face of the earth. So, so what was so wrong with what Simeon and Levi did? Weren't they justified in what they did? And the clear answer to that is no. And we understand that if we want to go to Genesis 49, where we see God's estimation of the actions of Simeon and Levi in this, in this situation. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jacob later prophesies over Simeon and Levi. And, and in that prophecy, it reveals what God thought about what they did. Genesis 49, 5 to 7. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will. Again, that's the essence of the flesh, of that sinful nature of Adam. In their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. And I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So we see clearly, we're not left to guess whether, well, what they did was okay. After all, they, they were justified in their anger. And so because they were justified in their anger, they were justified in their actions. Big mistake. If that's the principle you live by, you will get yourself in trouble. Simeon and Levi were completely justified in being angry with the violation of their sister. They had every right. In fact, they had every right to call for Shechem's death because that was the law of the land. They had every right to call for the offender's death. But their deceit and their use of that special sign of the covenant, circumcision, which God had given a special meaning for Israel, 
they used it for deceit. They used it for their own self-promotion. And what they did was inexcusable. They used their cruel scheme to profit personally. Because not only did they exact justice, what they thought was justice on Shechem, but they killed every male in the city who had nothing to do with the crime. And then they took all of their possessions for themselves. They made themselves rich off of this thing. Again, that's, that's not justice. The iniquity of the Canaanites had not yet been full. Yes, God was going to cause judgment to fall on the Canaanites when God commanded the Israelites to destroy the Canaanites. That's true. But God also had said before that their sins are not yet full. He was still giving them time and opportunity to repent, but they refused. They continued in their idolatry, and so there came a time when there's judgment. And, and many people read in the Old Testament, oh, how, what, a, what a horrible God that would cause one people to wipe out another. God is a righteous God. He is the judge of heaven and earth. And there is coming a judgment on all of those who reject his grace. He is long-suffering. He doesn't want any to perish. He's made the provision for everyone to have eternal life. Whosoever will may come. And he has been patient and long-suffering with a Christ-rejecting world all, all these many centuries. But there is coming a day of judgment on those who have rejected to receive that, that enormous gift of his grace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God judging, it's not something we say, oh, that's horrible. He's warned us. He's told us. He's our creator. We, we have every responsibility to acknowledge him and to, to serve him and to worship him. But Simeon and Levi, they went ahead of God's time. And a lot of God's people today in this age of grace, they, they try to demand judgment on the Christ-rejecting world that treats us so poorly as Christians. But our mission now in this age of grace is not to execute the judgment of God on, on the ungodly. <laughs> uh, that would be a nonstop job. Our mission is to present the message of grace. That's our mission today. Yet many Christians, they kind of have the Levi-Simeon syndrome where they just want to make everybody pay right now. Let's leave that with God. He has a time, and, and we, too, we are to acknowledge his right to judge. But right now, our mission is to present the, the mission of grace, the offer of grace. The lesson that we can learn from this is that we should not fall into that temptation to think that justifiable anger gives us the right to do anything in retaliation. Their justifiable anger resulted in unjustifiable action. They thought they were right. They thought they were just. But they acted in anger. Let's go to James 1, where we find instruction for us in this church age. As believers in Jesus Christ, our actions must be dictated by one thing and one thing only. That is the revealed will of God. I do what I do. I say what I say. Because God has instructed me in this thing and in this area. We are told that, there, that being angry is not sinful. It, in and of itself, anger is not sinful. 
Jesus got angry, so we know it's not sin. God gets angry. But we should never act motivated by our anger. Never. Why? James 1, 19 to 22. So then, my beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear. Underline that in your Bible if you do such a thing. (laughs) Swift to hear. Stop and listen first. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Slow to anger. Why? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save, deliver your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So our actions are to be dictated by the word of God that's implanted in our heart. This is why we study the Bible. This is why we we have personal devotions in our home. This is why we have public meetings is that we are constantly exposed to the revealed will of God that we are to let the Holy Spirit implant in our heart and in our mind so that when we need it, the Holy Spirit's able to bring it up. In those moments when we are angry, and there's not a one of us here that haven't had times when we are angry. Some people, they, they have problems with quick tempers. It doesn't matter whether your temper is quick or slow. We do not act or react based on our anger. This is what Simeon and, and Levi did. This is part, to me, this is one of the most important lessons we can learn from this passage. Justifiable anger. They had a right to be angry. They were right to be angry. They were wrong to do what they did, motivated by their anger. We need to not fall into that trap. And it's easy to do. Ephesians 4.26, passage I referred to earlier, but so you know it's there. Ephesians 4.26, Simeon and Levi's anger and cruelty did not produce what was right in God's sight. And we need to learn to obey Ephesians 4.26. Be angry. See, it's not sin. We're actually commanded to be angry. (laughs) There are times when we need to be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't stew. Don't simmer. If there's something that needs to be dealt with, take it before the Lord first. Seek his direction on how to respond and then respond. And then there are times when no response is necessary. We are to be dictated by the word and the will of God, not by our emotions, any emotion, whether it be anger or or any other emotion. Emotions are not sinful. God gave them to us for a reason. All of them, even fear. But when we live according to our emotions, any of them, we quickly fall into sin and not do the will of God. So may we be aware of that. Even if your anger is justified, which it often is, don't react according to your anger. Now let's look at Jacob and his reaction in all of this. Jacob does rebuke his boys after the fact, but he doesn't appear to do anything to try to stop them beforehand. And then afterwards, he makes this statement in verse 30. Let's go to Genesis 34, 30. He makes a statement that is clearly a statement of unbelief. Genesis 34 and verse 30. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. 
and I shall be destroyed, my household and I. Now, how many times has God revealed to Jacob that he has a plan for Jacob's life, for his family, for his descendants? How many times has Jehovah revealed to Jacob that he was going to be his protector, that he was going to cause him to prosper? And yet, Jacob's statement here is the complete opposite of what God has revealed to be true. And once again, it's a lesson that we can learn, a lesson of faith. And we, we've all fallen into these thoughts of unbelief. This is, we're not picking on Jacob. This is just showing the common experience that we all have. How many times have we allowed ourselves to think things that are contrary to what God has said to be true about us? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Does he mean that? All things work together for my good. Does he really mean that? And so I'm going to now complain and murmur and fight against all of the things that are, I'm experiencing that are so negative and un unwanted. We need to continue and always say what God says about us, about our circumstance, and about our situation. And that can only be done by faith. Because there are times, I mean, looking at it from Jacob's standpoint, I... I I would, the same thought would have come into my head, oh boy, now we are the scourge of the land and they're going to kill us. Everybody else is going to gang up against us. It's a legitimate thought. It's a reasonable thought, except for it's not what God said. And so we need to remember this as well. Well, there are a number of other things I want to touch on this chapter, and I don't want to rush through it, so I think we'll close there this evening.